I'm going to hustle on this thing for two years. And if something doesn't work the first six months, I'm going to pivot. If something doesn't work in month eight, I'm going to pivot. If it doesn't work in year one, he dropped 40K, got one deal, which is an $8,000 deal. I'm going to pivot. Okay. And then he pivoted. Now he's crushing it. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me here. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope this is everything you wanted it to be. If you're coming back for another show, you already listen to several shows and you get a lot out of it and you're here because it's a habit for you to come back and listen. I really appreciate that too. I, I can't tell you enough how much it means to me that you show up and you spend time here. Guys, I'm going to stick with the long running tradition of bringing you fantastic guests. Today, I have one that will absolutely blow your mind. He is uh, someone who has a service, a software that makes real estate investors just a ton of money every month. And if that interests you, stay tuned. I have Trevor Mock on the show. He used to be a serial entrepreneur, but now he focuses all of his efforts on his company, Carrot. Carrot helps over 6,500 professionals generate consistent, high-quality leads online by leveraging content marketing and their industry-leading software. He's passionate about using business to fuel your passion and to amplify the impact you want to make in the world, helping entrepreneurs achieve freedom, flexibility, finances, and impact. And guys, I'll give you a little sneak peek here. I thought when I, when I booked... Trevor on the show, he was going to be all about carrot, driving people to carrot, talk about carrot, how good carrot is. He talked about carrot a little bit, but honestly, he told me before the show, I just want to talk about creating great businesses that make people fulfilled and happy and have an impact on the world. Like he's a really, really, truly good dude. He has created more than one very successful business, but now he's all in on carrot and he's doing it and creating this work-life balance and just a really inspirational guy. And I'm excited for you guys to hear this interview because I think it turned out really, really great. So without any more delay or any more conversation or explanation, let's dive into it. I give you Trevor. All right, Trevor, thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your time. Mike, man, I appreciate the invite. And uh, and also one thing right before we hit record, you know, we were talking about the the, the two parts as real estate entrepreneurs, we got the life stuff and the business stuff. So dude, I'm, I'm pumped to dig into hopefully both of them today. Yeah, me too. I, I think uh, both those topics are huge for me as well. And I think our, our listeners get a ton out of that. So let's give some folks context. I know who you are. Probably a lot of our listeners know exactly who you are and they certainly know your product. But for those of, of us who don't or those of the folks that don't, can we go back and just talk, talk about where you got started in real estate and why, why you got started in real estate and uh, maybe what you were doing before that, unless you came right out of high school, like just doing real estate <laughs> stuff. But what'd you do before real estate and how did you get involved? Dude, that's that's a good question, man. So I um, I've never never had a job that I didn't create. Uh, that's the first thing. Now it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't ever easy. I'll kind of walk through some of those some of those learning lessons in the journey. But yeah, uh, I first got into real estate actually in college. So um, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur in high school. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur younger than that. Um, I wasn't one of the one of the kids who sold you know had the lemonade stand or went to the school selling the candy to the other kids. I, I wasn't that kid. I, I had no interest in business. Um, I liked playing baseball. I thought I wanted to be like a doctor or some other kind of professional for some reason. I okay. don't know why. <laughs> um, but then my parents—they uh, actually started business out of uh, businesses out of necessity when I was probably in, in grade school. 
And here's the reason, Mike, why I did not want to go into business early on was my parents, I love them to death. Like my dad's the most positive person in the world, except for when it comes to employees. <laughs> and uh, and they worked their butts off. Like us as kids, one of, one of the businesses was a party business. So we set up tents, we set up weddings and parties. We'd okay. drive out there in the big truck. There's the tables and chairs and yeah. like set it all up, right? And oftentimes our work was on weekends because we had to go set it up on a Friday afternoon for the wedding, tear down on a Sunday. And I'm like, if this is what business is, I really love interacting with clients. I love being able to provide an amazing experience. Yeah. I learned a lot of, uh, you know, in those years on that. I'm like, I don't want to do business if it requires us to work this hard and off hours and really have no life in the weekends and the summers, especially. Yeah. And so um, I actually bought my first rental property in college uh, when I was 21 years old, um, a junior at, at college. I went to a place called Oregon Tech in Southern Oregon. And uh, going back to my dad again, uh, he owned a couple rental properties here and there. And one thing that him and I were talking about when I was in college that literally the Carlton Sheets infomercial, man, it's like, I know it sounds funny and it's corny, but he had the infomercial come up online talking about buying rental properties. Yep. And my dad and I would kind of talk about that, you know, freshman, sophomore year in college. And one day it came up and he said, well, if you wanted to, I'll buy the course and you can use the course. And as long as you purchase a property within the first 12 months, you don't have to pay me back for the course. Nice. I'm like, well, I don't have 500 bucks. I'm a college kid. <laughs> so I better work my butt off to try to buy a property. Yeah. And, uh, and I did. I mean, the Carlton Sheets course wasn't that great, but it was what I needed to get the basics of it. Yep. Um, a bunch of free online resources are all that I tapped into after that, forums and stuff like that. This is in 2004. Yep. And uh, bought my first property. It was a four-unit building just uh, outside by where the college was from a, an older landlord that was trying to get rid of the rental properties. They didn't want to deal with, deal with tenants and toilets anymore, but yep. they did want the cash flow. And so he carried carried back a, a note for $164,000, purchase price of one seventy four. I had to come up with ten grand in private money, which came from friends and family. Um, I didn't know it was called private money at the time. It was just called, I don't have the money. <laughs> hey guys, here's a good deal. Uh you know, would you like to earn the same percent interest that my the seller's carrying it back for, which is six percent? They said yes, and I still own that property today. No so kidding. That that's kind of what what got me into the real estate game. Nice, nice. That's awesome. That's a very cool. I like that. I like your dad's approach. I'll buy this for you, and if you take action, essentially, I, you don't have to pay me back. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's because honestly, that's probably you know I tell people all the time, information is not the problem. Information is gettable. It's all out there, right? Yep. It's just, we're, we all have access to it, but very few people actually take real action, like meaningful, mm. sustained action. And that's yep. the difference. That's the difference I find in successful people and non-successful people is somebody just does something with what they know and other people don't. They, they wait and they procrastinate. And man, it, it's oftentimes limiting beliefs, right? It's like, yeah. that, that was my main issue then because uh, the things that were popping up in my mind is, well, I'm young. How is the seller going to treat me serious? Or I don't have any yeah. money. How am I going to buy a property if I don't have money? Well, I don't have credit. Like I didn't have bad credit. I had no credit, yeah. right? It's like if I have no credit because uh, I hadn't had a credit card and never had any lines of credit, how am I going to get a loan? And so you start to look at all these things and they stack up and those yeah. are all it, like makes this impossible mountain for you to climb. And Mike, for me, I, I heard from a, a college professor at that time, actually, who uh, away from class, he had said something to me and it really hit me. And I still remember it to this day. And he essentially said, he's like, has anyone ever been in your situation and done what you're set, what you're trying to do? And I'm like, 
Well, yeah, of course, there's been people way younger than me probably that bought rental properties that don't have money or don't have credit. Yeah. And I, and I had heard stories about it. So yes, that is possible. People have done that in my situation before. And then he said, well, it's not a real, it's not a really something that's true. Like that thing in, in your mind is actually just a belief that you have that's limiting you. I'm like, okay. So it's not the real circumstance that's saying I can't buy a property. It was all between my brain. Yeah. It was in my brain saying I couldn't do it as a limiting belief. And so I really suggest anyone who's listening to this, if you think you can't do something because of where you grew up or how you grew up or how much money you have in your bank account or that you don't or credit or you went through a bankruptcy three years ago or you don't like going outside of your house or you're too young or you're too old or you know whatever it is. Those are all limiting beliefs because there's definitely been someone in your exact scenario, not your name and not all that stuff, but yep. very similar to your scenario that has done exactly what you're setting out to do. And so we just need to recognize those are limiting beliefs and say, that's not going to hold me back and push through it. Yeah, I love it. So you bought this rental, you're off and running, you're a real estate investor. What comes next for you? Because that's not where the journey ends, I know. So what comes next in your journey after that first property? Yeah, man. So I, I bought the property, then I graduated from, from college, moved up to Portland, uh, Oregon. Uh, my, my wife was going to graduate uh, school up there for to be a physician's assistant. Okay. And in, in that moment, man, like same thing, I go, I go cool. I'm kind of liking this taste of entrepreneurship. I was making no money, right? Because all that money from that rental property, it cash flowed from day one, but it went into the bank account for the rental property to yeah. pay for you know, repairs and, yep. and stuff like that. So yes, I owned an asset, but I wasn't making any real money from it myself that I could spend. Yeah. And so we, we, we headed up to Portland and I said, well, I want to try to figure this entrepreneur thing out. Um, and I'm going to give myself a year and that dude, that that's a lesson right there that I've still, I've still held to this day is anytime I'm trying to do something that's hard or that seems like it's, it's a, it's a, a risk or seems like it's going to take a, a good amount of effort. One of the first things that I do, and you referenced a little bit ago uh, where people give up too early, mm -hmm. one of the first things I do is I give myself a de defined amount of time where I say I'm not going to quit before this time period. Yeah. And for me, it's a year. Like It's not six months. It's not three months. Uh, where I talk to a lot of newer investors that are trying to get into the game. So we had our, our Carrot Camp event here the last couple of days where everybody in here has to be making at least 100K a year or more. Uh, there's some 100K a month people in there uh, to be able to qualify. Now, now during that session, there was a guy named um, Adam Mitchell out of, out of Dallas. And Adam Mitchell's up there talking about his journey the last three years. He still has a full-time job. Okay, he's looking at getting away from it, but he still has a full-time job. Yep. And Dallas is insanely competitive, right? It's yep. like crazy competitive market. There's probably thousands of real estate investors there. Yep. And we probably have hundreds of customers there. And so there's all these all these reasons why people might have a limiting belief around being successful in Dallas as a wholesaler or flipper or whatever. So he comes out of the gates and he says, I'm going to try all the marketing, right? I'm going to try all them. I'm going to do direct mail, cold calling. He's going to launch Google PPC. He's going after motivated house sellers, you know? Yep. And he said he, he dropped $40,000 that first year and he got one deal. And he's like, his wife's on him. And he's like, I know there's deals in Dallas, but what's happening? You know, and he felt like giving up. He felt like, he felt like, I know this can work for other people, but for what's wrong with me is what he said. Yeah. And what he then did is he said, well, maybe the problem is that I didn't focus. And I'll go back to my story here in a second, but this is a really good story to tie in. Okay. He said, maybe I just need to focus. I had six or seven different marketing methods. When I'm, when I'm trying to, you know, shotgun approach it, you just don't have a good chance to master any one of them. And so he said, I'm going to focus on one thing. And he said, well, I got that one deal 
from online. What if I just go all in on that? And so he chose to go all in on Carrot with Google pay-per-click and SEO, so rank and hide in Google. Mm -hmm. Year two, just by focusing, he did 22 deals in Dallas, full-time job. And then year three, which is this year, uh, he said he's on pace to do 49. And, um, And his main thing that he said was, he said, if I was only in it for six months or eight months or even 12 months in my mind, in my mindset, because I would have given up a long time ago. And that's what happens with most people. Instead, he was in it with a two-year mindset. He said, I'm going to hustle on this thing for two years. And if something doesn't work the first six months, I'm going to pivot. If something doesn't work in month eight, I'm going to pivot. If it doesn't work in year one, he dropped 40K, got one deal, which is an $8,000 deal. I'm going to pivot. Okay. And then he pivoted. Now he's crushing it. That's awesome. So going back to my story, that's exactly what I did. I said, I'm going to give myself 12 months to figure out this entrepreneurship thing. Um, it was hard. You know, I, I paid my taxes on my credit card that first year. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it uh, at all. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay, you know, the tax fees and all this kind of stuff on it. Yeah. Or the credit card fees. Um, but by probably about month eight or nine, I started to figure a couple things out as an entrepreneur that were working. Now, the first half of the year, I was saying, I want to go flip houses or wholesale houses. This is right. This is right before the crash was happening. Okay. You know, this was, I mean, 2007, right, right, right at the the end of it. Yeah. And, um, and I started to do marketing for mortgage brokers. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a marketing degree, but I really didn't know what I was doing in marketing. I just had a degree and I wasn't a marketer and I dug in and I had a family friend up there who's a mortgage broker. And I said, well, I'd, I'd be willing to help you do some things to get more clients um, for a really low fee in exchange for just learning about what you do. Yeah. And so that was about month two. I did that. I was cold calling Craigslist for them to see if people want to refinance a bunch of really terrible stuff that wasn't fun, but I learned and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And about month seven, the person walked into my office and they, they said, pull up the computer screen. And I was only getting paid a thousand bucks a month from them. Um, he said, pull up the computer screen. And he said, can you go to Google and type up like mortgage brokers in Portland or whatever? And I did. And then there's the Google results. And he said, how do you get me there? Like to the top of that? Because if I can get there, I bet I can get a lot more business. You know, man, I have no clue, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and so that was, that kind of started my journey, Mike, into the next phase of my life is that first six months. I'm like, what if I'm going to flip and wholesale more houses? I learned how to generate seller leads, but I learned for myself, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I was more of a long-term investor. I'm going to put more money into rentals and I'm going to find something I'm really passionate about in the day to day to, for my active income. Okay. And I discovered for me, it was marketing. I really enjoy marketing. I really enjoy the craft of marketing, of finding a way to to, to get the right message for a company out in front of people. Yeah. And I'll just fast forward to the next several years, but I figured out online marketing really well. I grew a couple online companies, um, sold one of them for just mainly just to get away from it. Not a big exit. Okay. I got burnout. Okay. Um, what was it? Was, what was it? Can you tell me what it was or? Yeah, for sure. I was a company and still in existence. Uh, they're doing amazing now, but it was a company that was a publishing company okay. uh, in the real estate space. So I would actually go and while I was uh, stacking up a couple rentals here and there learning how to do SEO, I launched a blog and that blog is still up there. You guys can check it out. It's reibrain.com. I haven't touched it in probably eight years. So uh, guys, I haven't touched it at all. So don't, don't judge it at all, but that's where I started. <laughs> it's part of my story. All right. And it's still up there. I still gets probably eight or 9,000 visitors a month just from SEO. Um, but that's where I started to really hone my chops and how to create content that gets ranked well in Google. Yeah. You know, what happens when you get a visitor to your site now? Well, shoot, I, I can find ways to, to optimize my website to make it convert better. 
oh shoot, now I've got people opting in. What do I do with them? And yeah. that ended up turning into a publishing company where I would find experts in the different local markets and we would publish their content for people to, to learn how to be a better a real estate investor. Okay. Got it. So yeah. how many rentals? I know you are accumulating rentals here and there. Do you still have a portfolio? You have the first one, obviously. Do you still have a portfolio of rentals at all? Or is that not something you yeah, do? Very small. So I've got I've got okay. the four units over there. I've got two vacation homes that we Airbnb. Okay. I've got a commercial property uh, that we're in right now, 8,000 square feet, which is our entrepreneur co-work space. Mm-hmm. And I've got another commercial property I bought next door uh, that is uh, 7,000, no, it's 6,000 square feet downstairs, another three. So it's 9,000 square feet, uh, of mix between residential and retail. Gotcha. And so that's my current portfolio as far as real estate goes. And then I own a few different, uh, other companies as well. Okay. Very good. Very yeah. cool. So serial entrepreneur, no doubt about it, right? I mean, it, for sure, you've, you've started some stuff, you have that bug. It, what's interesting, you, you brought this up earlier and I wanted to get your opinion on this. And I know it is just a matter of opinion. So I, I realize that this is just yours. Yeah, yeah. And, but I'm curious, you said you weren't the guy that or the kid who had the lemonade stand or you're like hustling and selling stuff or flipping things. Yeah. Do you think that entrepreneurs are born entrepreneurs or do you think mm. someone can develop into one where they were not previously not, you know, that entrepreneur spirit? spirit? Dude, that's such a good question. Um, here, like, like, like you said, here, here's my opinion on it. Um, I, I think I think there's definite traits that people are born with that make it so they have a much higher likelihood of succeeding as an entrepreneur. Okay, and and here's some of those traits, and, and they, they these traits work outside of entrepreneurship too. It just depends on how you want to apply it. And I think I think these are the same traits that work for an athlete that that uh, excels at a high level. It's the same traits for someone who you know. Uh, works in a job for somebody else that excels at a really high level. Yeah. Uh, number one is I think someone in, innate within me. I just don't give up easily. There, there's I've got two brothers. We all grew up in the same house. Okay. Um, both my parents became a small business owners at a young age for for us. And my older brother, he lived in the same house as me, but he completely uh, is opposite of me. Okay. He is very risk averse. He is not somebody who's going to go out there and take a chance to uh, to have a uh, hopefully have an outcome uh, that is not guaranteed yeah. versus I'm guaranteed this outcome. Yep. Even though this outcome over here might be way better potentially, he's more comfortable staying in this one over here. Okay. And so the only thing you can really look at there is like how we were born. We were raised in the same house, raised in the same family, um, and and he just has different innate traits. So yeah, there's the 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 ability to take risks. Um, I think there's the the ability to be okay with rejection and not take it personally. I think that's a really big thing that a, a major difference between entrepreneurs who are successful and those who aren't is they they look at uh, rejection and failure actually as a positive thing. It's a stepping stone towards a win. Yeah. Uh, the others look at rejection and failure as a negative thing. It's a knock to themselves. And that's something I was born with, I believe, because I, I remember always having that trait. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that people can learn those too. Yeah. Uh, I, I know people, man, that I would never have pegged as an entrepreneur. Like never. I, I, I would consider them the most most conservative, the person who is just not going to be out on a podcast talking, stuff like that. They're some of the most successful entrepreneurs I know, yeah. but they buckled down and they figured out, here's what I'm good at. But you know what? I found somebody else that's the yin to my yang yeah. that plugs all my gaps for me. Yep. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think what it is is, there's, it's like this, there's ingredients for an entrepreneur, yep. kind of what you're saying. And if those, entre- if those ingredients are put in the right environment, 
it will become an entrepreneur. But I think sometimes people have those ingredients and they're never, they never either never put themselves in that, in that position or they're never put in that position. So it's unrealized because I'm this, I'm the same as you. And the reason why I, I asked you that is interesting to me is I wasn't the entrepreneur kid either selling baseball yep. cards and lemonades, lemonade stands. I had no interest in that at all. Mm. But once I, I put myself in that arena, once I took the chance and started my own business, it was like, I unleashed something inside of me that I didn't even know was there. So I, I, I do it. believe that I was born to be an entrepreneur, but it was yep. dormant. It, there was nothing sparking it. I, my family was blue collar, you know, automotive. I'm from Michigan. So a lot of automotive, blue collar union, like nine to mm. five, like you work till you're, you know, 65 and put in your time and blah, blah, blah. Like yep. that was the whole mentality. So there was nobody who was stoking that fire. And then once mm. I got out of my own, I, I, I did have that. So I, I do think those ingredients are all in some of us, and then I have two kids, I have three kids, but two yep. daughters. The son is the youngest. And my my oldest daughter, hard worker, smart, went to college, got her degree. She's a teacher. She's doesn't, she's just not business that does not interest her, and, and running mm. a company does not interest her. My younger yep. daughter is a she went to college. She's a social worker, but she also flips houses. She started ah, a private yeah, cool. A, yeah, she started a private practice and social work. Like she's she she makes just like she's total entrepreneur like she's constantly thinking of ways to make money and start businesses yeah. and so it's just i think some people have those ingredients in them and some people they yeah. just don't so yeah. uh, it's just I, it's just one it's a little bit of a divergence but i just i always like I to hear it, people's man. opinion on that okay so uh serial entrepreneur you started marketing and understanding that you like trying to you know figure out how to get that marketing message in front of the right people uh we all know that you're the ceo of carrot how did carrot come about where did that in all, I see the connection, but tell me how it actually, like, how did that, how was that born? Man, uh, dude, it's, yeah, I, I, I love, I love telling this story because th this thing is going to relate to entrepreneurs at no matter what level you're in. Uh, if you are just getting started, you're going to see, uh, me crash and burn and fail in a big way in this story. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you're someone who's, who's, you know, successful already, you're going to see what, what you should not do to make sure that you don't lose that success and crash and burn. Yeah. And so uh, let me set some context first for people, okay? First of all, uh, where Carrot is today, and then I'll kind of reverse back. Uh, where, where, where we are today, we have 36 full-time employees. Uh, that doesn't include contractors and stuff that work for us. We're, we're a remote company, but we have a headquarters here in, in Oregon, uh, which about a third of our staff is. We work with about 8,000 real estate investors and agents. That Those are the amount of people that are actively using our, our software right now okay. uh, on the daily basis. And they generate about 150,000 leads a month. With, that includes phone call leads. So on our website, we automatically update from Google Analytics how many opt-in leads come in. Then you add on a bunch of phone call leads. So about 150,000 inbound leads every single month. Wow. Most of them are from Google inbound. The other ones are from Facebook, Google ads, stuff like that. And then most of them are motivated house sellers. And then the rest are a mix of cash buyers, you know, land sellers, things like that. Yeah. So that's the context for where we are now. Going back to the journey. So let's go back to 2011, 2012. So I'd started to get good at marketing those few years before that. You know, Red, I mean, if you guys are watching a video on this, uh, this is one of about three or four of these kinds of shelves that I've got okay. all around my house, my office. Yeah. And I read a lot of books. Yeah. And when you don't have a lot of money to go to courses or you buy courses or a coach or uh, to events, which I didn't uh, early on, early on um, you just buy a bunch of books. Yeah. You can get like the most amazing information for 14, 15, 20 bucks. And so I started reading every marketing book that I could, I could read. How do you do, how do you make great offers? How do you position? 
how do you uh, how do you think about marketing? How do you make campaigns that work? And I, and I and I knew if I could learn marketing really well, I can apply this to any business. I don't care if it's as a real estate investor. I don't care if it's as a software company owner now, which I am today, or a toilet salesman or whatever. Right? Like yeah. you can use this skill set for anything. And so I grew that publishing company. We did well. Um, we we didn't make millions a year, but we made uh, really really good strong six figure incomes as the owners of this company in, in our early twenties. Mm-hmm. And Mike, what happened to me, man? Um, at that point, I thought it was just me. I thought it was a problem with me, but I've learned since then it was a very common thing for entrepreneurs is I had these goals in mind that were mainly tied to numbers, right? It was, uh, man, if I ever hit this revenue number, then the the, the clouds are going to part. The world's just going to like magically be clear to me and I unlock the secret of life when I hit this <laughs> $10,000 a month number, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you hit those numbers and, and it's the weirdest thing because you go, well, shoot, nothing really changed. I mean, I don't really have as much of a pinch in the pocketbook anymore, but the fulfillment, the happiness, that didn't change at all. Yeah. Because what happens is as soon as you hit that $10,000 a month number, whatever your goal is, right when you get there, right before you get there, you mentally move the goalpost sure. out. Yeah. And, and so you don't really sit in it and acknowledge uh, that you achieve this major milestone that yeah. you, you thought, man, that's like my life's mission if I could ever hit that thing early. Yep. And so I, I had that happen a couple of times, Mike, where, you know, we had hundred thousand dollar months and we did things, we did really, really good stuff. And I just kept on going, man, it's like this entrepreneurial dream that I thought I was going after that was this amazing utopia uh, that was driven by hitting these revenue numbers and by having flexibility uh, to, do, to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, for me, it wasn't happening. And I said, did I miss something? Did I execute this wrong? Um, you know, is it just me or is it, or is the entrepreneurial dream really not a dream after all? It's a, it's a, it's a trap. Uh, and that I was trapped in my own business at that time. Yeah. I was doing work, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week that was producing revenue that in hindsight was draining my energy. I wasn't enjoying it. Um, I, I enjoyed parts of it and people paid me well for it. And people told me, I would even hear advice from people at that time where they're like, man, you know, you know, you're doing the right stuff when people pay you really well for it. And they say you're really good at it. It's like, do, do as much of that as you possibly can. Yeah. And I took that advice. I got paid well for it. I was, I was pretty darn good at it. And, and by doing that, I actually led myself into um, having a business that I despised. Yeah. And so what ended up happening, this is 2012, Mike, and this is where Carrot started to have an, a nexus in my world. Um, I had consulting clients. I was doing inbound marketing for creating content strategies online that would drive traffic online and, and help them control the conversation online. Big companies, you know, one yeah. of them is a billion dollar flooring company, uh, some other small income. So you were doing ones. stuff for outside of real estate then. Yep, exactly. Okay. One of the, one of the big clients for that, that one that was $600 million a year then that's a billion dollar company. Now it's called Halstead international. Okay. And if you go to home Depot and you buy, you know, that luxury vinyl plank flooring, the, mm-hmm. the higher end stuff, yep. it's home Be- home Depot's own brand. They have life proof now and they have other ones. That's all this company called Halstead that makes it. Okay. And so Halstead, uh, you know, Allure flooring was one of their brands. I don't know if it's still there. I think they rebranded it at home Depot, but, uh, Halstead, uh, really sucked with their online reputation. And so I went into it. I'm like, so you guys are selling, you know, a hundred thousand customers a year of this flooring and hundreds of millions of dollars a year, whatever, whatever the customer numbers were. And you go online and search their company name and their company name and their product names plus reviews. And even though their product is amazing, you get those 50 bloggers who had a bad experience yeah. or a review site. And then all of a sudden you Google it 
and it looks like their product's crappy when it's not. It's amazing. Yeah. And so I went in there with that skill set that I'd been building of content marketing, of finding what are people searching online already? Like, how do you get in front of this flow of people, this information? How do I then uh, see what they're seeing online? Like, what search results are popping up? And then how do I create content that gets in front of those people that I want to get in front of, that builds trust and authority and guides them towards the conclusion that we want to guide them towards? Yeah. And so, yeah, I pitched companies like Halstead. Essentially, it was SEO with content marketing, but I called it reputation management, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we completely turned Halstead around online. We took them from number eight in Home Depot in their category to number one uh, within a year. And it was all by managing their online reputation, taking content and getting it ranked in Google. So, yeah, I I was doing that uh, while I was kind of wrapping up the end of the publishing company. One thing that I discovered, Mike, is... um, is entrepreneurs tend to have this three to five year time span that I've found where they 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 are insanely excited year one, year two, maybe even into year three. It's new, right? You're running away from something. You might be running away from a job you don't like or an income ceiling that you don't like. Yeah. I can never make more in this job when I see an entrepreneurship as a way out. You might be running away from your family or friends uh, actually saying you can't do something and you want to prove them wrong. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different reasons that we start companies. And the problem that I find, and I've experienced this myself uh, a couple times, the problem that we find is that excitement that we're running away from something. Eventually, when you hit that income number, or eventually when you are away from that thing you're running away from, uh, you lose your purpose all of a sudden. You're like, well, shoot, I'm not running away from that thing anymore. So therefore, I've got to go towards something. And what me, what we usually pick is a number. Right? We usually go, well, maybe this revenue number is what I'm going to run towards now. Yeah. It's a deal number. It's a revenue number. It's a number of units. It's an it's amount of cash flow, yep. whatever it is. And so then we sit there in our annual planning or whatever it is, we pick our, our number and then we say, when I hit that number, things will probably be better and I'll probably be happier. And you, you never are. Right. Um, and in that three to five year time period, uh, what, what happened to me was that happened and I'm like, started to second guess why am I in this? Should I just go get a job somewhere? I might make less money, but I don't know. Maybe I won't have the pressure of the entrepreneurship part of it. And what I discovered for me, Mike, was this, was a mentor of mine. I saw how he was running his business. I'm like, if I could just run my business like him, it seems like it'd be amazing. He uh, has a couple different companies. It seems like he only does what he loves the most. He's in there he strategizes, he da, 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 and then he leaves. Other people do, do the other parts he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, he, his business makes an impact. He has a lot of time for his family. He, from the outside in, it just looks like he's just got it figured out. And I hit him up. And this is a, a lesson I'd put out to everybody. Before then, all of my learning was books and anything I could find for free. Um, I, 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 I wore it as a badge of honor that I didn't have a coach. That I'd never joined a mastermind. <laughs> Like, hey, I'm figuring this out without having to you know, pay all these bucks. Yeah, I did that too, for the record. I, I was right there with you, man. I just, I was at, I was against it. I just thought, why? Yep. I can figure this Dude, out. Dude, and it works, right? Like, uh, if, if anyone listening to this, you can totally do that. But what I didn't discover, and especially if you don't have money, of course, you can't can't pay for a coach. You can't right. uh, do the mastermind thing. So you got to grind and you got you got to yep. learn from free or cheap ways. Um, but I hit the guy up. I had some a little bit of money in the bank account from that previous business. And I said, if I could just get close to that guy and I could learn from him for a year, maybe I'll figure out to, you know, how to do what he's done to yeah. build a business you actually enjoy. Yeah. Um, and so I paid him the 20 grand. He started a mastermind the one and only year he did it, which was really cool. Cause he's like, ah, I want to just do my business instead of a mastermind. Yeah. 
And one of the biggest things that I took away from him is he said, the reason I'm able to do what I'm doing right now is because I found my unique abilities and I went all in on them. And I said, amazing. That sounds great. What is a unique ability? <laughs> and he said, you'll know your unique abilities when you're like right down, right down after you do things, right down the stuff that you got more energy when you were done doing them than when you started. Okay. What things were, do you get more energy from when you do them and then when you started do them, doing them? And also what things could you be world-class in if you put a lot of energy towards that? Yeah. And I started going back to my, you know, that, that uh, publishing company. I was writing down the things that started giving me energy and taking energy away. And the things that gave me energy, I love strategizing. I love writing down strategies. I love coming up with a marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, I love this kind of stuff, yeah. you know, talking to entrepreneurs and, and, and sharing. Um, I, I love uh, I love networking with people that are interesting to me, um, and there's a series of other things there. What I didn't like and drained my energy anything related to execution at all. So like, <laughs> I absolutely love making the strategy. Yeah. But then, oh man, like it was the worst thing in the world to actually sit down and have to deploy it to write the emails or to yeah. build the web page or whatever. Yeah. I could do it, and that's what made me money. But I'm like, oh, maybe that's the problem. So I created this process, Mike, called the Energy Audit. And this thing changed my life. I want everyone to, to use this. And then I'll, I'll get to the carrot part uh, really quick. Okay. But I think this is really, really valid for everybody. Yeah, I'm excited about it because I'm the same as you, by the way. Execution crushes me. So go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Man, so this, so this changed my life. And I still use it every single quarter. Anytime my team members get in a bog, I bring out the energy audit. So the energy audit is a piece of paper. And, and we have a, a template. You guys can get it. Carrot.com forward slash Trevor. Uh, you don't even have to opt in to get it. Like we just want people to use it. Carrot.com forward slash Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R. And you can get my energy out of there and some other resources. But draw a line down the middle of the paper. On one side of it, you've got gives energy. And the other side, you've got drains energy. Um, write in an average given week, what are the things that you're currently doing that drain your energy? Okay, write them all, like business and life. And I would write those things I talked about before, executing this, executing that. Um, meetings, like a bunch of things, whatever it was that drained my energy. On the energy gives side, write down anything in your life that gives you energy. Not and and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want want you guys to make sure you're clear on. Not just what you're doing on an average week that gives you energy. What in life gives you energy? The key is writing down stuff that you're probably not spending time doing right now that gives you energy. Yeah. And for me, I love working out, but I wasn't doing hardly any of it because I didn't have the time to do. It. I didn't create the time. I love strategizing. Uh, but I, but 90% of my work was in execution, you know, and all this other stuff. And so then after you've got those written down, what I started to do is I started to go, well, let me give a ratio. If I, if I have a ratio, if I have a number, I, if you can measure it, you can move it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wrote, I wrote down what percentage of my week is in, in these, in these energy draining activities versus the energy giving activities. Back then it was 80, 20, 80% energy draining, 20% giving. I'm like, no wonder I don't like my business, right? Because yeah. it's just draining the life out of me. When I would go home to my family, I didn't have anything to give back to them. Yeah. And so I go, well, if I can move this and flip-flop it from 80% draining to 80% giving, I wonder if that is the secret to running a business that you love. And one by one, each quarter, I would go down that energy audit, circle one to two things in the energy draining category that were draining my energy the most, even if they made you a lot of money, Okay especially those ones that make you money that drain your energy the most. Cause we, we, we justify, well, I can't stop doing that. Cause that's where 90% of my income comes from. Yeah. For me, it was writing articles, right? That's what ranking stuff really well and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You write it, write down how many hours 
per week, each one of those one or two activities was taken. This, uh, item number one, seven hours. Item number two, four hours. Add it up, that's 11 hours per week. That's just crushing you with those two things. Very first thing in the quarter, I go, cool, I'm getting rid of those. You either say no to them now or you create a process and you hand it off to somebody else. Yeah. And then I go over here to the energy gives and go circle one of those things and go, where am I going to add that 11 hours? Well, I'm going to do this. I'm not even doing this thing, but I'm going to start a podcast now as yeah. an example. It gives me energy. I have no clue how I'm going to make money from it. Mm-hmm. I don't care though. It gives me energy. And I think if I give get more energy, it'll go towards the right spots. Yeah. Dude, doing that every single quarter, uh, it started to flip from 80% energy draining to 60 to 50. You know, Now it's about 20% energy draining and 80% energy giving. Nice. And during that time, uh, one of the biggest things I was cutting, like I kept and looking at all the tasks in my publishing company. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I can turn this business into the business that is my ultimate business that I want to drive, that I think can free me, that I think can give me freedom and impact. Yeah. And last thing here is um, I had about 100 customers who in my publishing company were still on this reselling, this reseller account for HostGator. We'd set up a WordPress template for them. They were coming to us saying, hey, who should we go to for websites for as an investor? I'm like, oh, none of them really because um, you can go get uh, go to a website company that gives you 100 different designs, but none of them know what actually converts. Yeah. They just give you something that looks pretty that doesn't work. Yeah. And that kind of spurred my idea for care. And I'm like, you know what? There's a big gap in the industry for not just getting online, but actually helping you get performance, actually helping you get results yeah. from your website as a real estate investor. And so I uh, came up with the, the name Carrot, launched a prototype, and, and uh, you know, six and a half years later, we're 8,000 people using the software and, and doing really great. So what, what about Carrot? If people are listening to this and they're starting off, or maybe they have a business that's been running a while and they don't have a website. Um, when you started Carrot, I, I'm just going to assume there was less competition. Maybe there was the same competition. Maybe there's still not a lot of competition, but yep. I'm assuming there was less. So people have options, obviously. What would be the reason why the the, the elevator pitch of why Carrot is the way to go if they're looking mm-hmm. at the other options? Well, what do you guys do I mean, that makes you different? Dude, that's, that's a really good option. So the first five or so years, what, what the main differentiator was, and this applies big time for people flipping houses, wholesaling houses, for your marketing message for your clients. Because right now it's a crazy cluttered market. Yeah. And if you're going out there just with the, hey, I buy houses or sell a house fast, cash in seven days, that's the same pitch that every other house flipper or wholesaler is giving. Yep. And so take some of the, the guidance I'll give you here to adjust your messaging so it stands out. And so back then... Uh, all the all the messaging was pretty much you know get online uh, grab a get a easily customizable real estate investor website right mm-hmm. and I'm going easily customizable is not what they need they need results and oftentimes <laughs> when they customize things more it might actually get them worse results the customer thinks they want customization the customer thinks they want something that looks pretty but what they really want is money in their pocket yeah and I said <clears throat> sometimes you can find a good balance and so we actually went out to the market saying we're going to come out with one design based on a ton of testing that I know works from driving over 80,000 real estate leads before I started Carrot. Um, and then I'm, we're going to go, well, here's one design. And then you go in here and just modify it. Modify your brand, get your own pictures up there, adjust the content, things like that. Yeah. And so we came in pretty much saying, hey, um, that Wix site you've got or Squarespace site or any of our competitors, it might be cheaper, but it's actually costing you tens of thousands of dollars in lost deals every single year because it's not set up to convert well or yeah. rank well in Google. And so a lot of the bigger investors are switching over to us because they had their, their $10,000 custom design that looked pretty and they would split test it against a carrot site that was customized for them for their brand and credibility. 
and they would find that you know they were losing tens of thousands of dollars a month in revenue on their custom site. Yeah, and that might be one deal, right? Yeah, yeah. like if your average profit per deal is a flip or a wholesale, let's just go twenty k as a round number. Uh, if your average profit per deal is twenty k. And on average, I'm making this up, but on average with a good organic inbound lead, it's about one in 10 of those leads turn into a deal. That's a real number. Yeah. Uh, direct mail, it's one in 40 approximately. Radio TV, one in 50 to 60 leads turns into a, into a deal. But organic, it's about one in 10. Okay. So if you're able to increase your conversion rate by 10% and you get a hundred visitors per year or per day that, or I'm sorry, per month to come to your site, that's an extra deal every single month. Yeah. Right. That's $20,000 a month that you're regaining in your business. Right, right. So that was the main, the main thing. Now the last 12 months to 24 months, what we see happening now, Mike is yes, that is still a major need. We've continued to innovate there in a big way, but over the years, the competition's grown. Uh, there's been a lot more that have come in the market with similar claims, you know, Hey, high converting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we haven't found one yet that actually proves it with data. Uh, they just say it's high converting because oftentimes they're modeled after our sites, honestly. Yeah. And so we, we drive, we do a ton of split tests and still do a lot of, um, a lot of adjustments based off of data every single week in our system. Okay. Uh, any given time we're running about two dozen split tests across our, our network of, of websites. Um, then we bake those into the, into the system. But now we're like, you know what? The big thing is authority because six years ago, there wasn't a lot of competition as the wholesaler or flipper. You could go to the market with the sell my house faster. We buy houses message. Yeah. Today you've got iBuyers buyers in there, which are mm-hmm. part of the equation that weren't there six years ago. Yep. Today you've got brokerages and the real estate brokerage side of things like Keller Williams, Caldwell Banker that have iBuyer programs themselves where they're partnering with open door and in yeah. uh, offer pad. And so as an investor, there's a lot more competition. So what we've started to do is, is how do you as an investor uh, win a deal with a motivated house seller if you're one of six choices? Right. Well, you win not by saying you can buy fast because they all can. You win by being the authority. You win by, by being the trusted authority in that area or that topic. And so we've been building out a lot of content marketing tools lately, Mike, that make it easier for people to get content online. Uh, that rank the content well in Google and to win more deals by building more trust and authority. Now, what I know about real estate investors, by and large, not everybody, mm-hmm. w- content is important, right? It builds authority. Most real estate investors probably don't. It's one of their energy drains, right? It's like yep. sitting down to write content. I, and I honestly don't know the answer to this. It's not a leading question, so hopefully it's not a bad question. But how mm-hmm. do you help with that? What's, what's the solution there? Cool. Dude, I, I'm the same way. So when I did the energy audit in 2016, even after uh, starting care, one of the ways we grew was by, I did a lot of written content that ranked well in Google. They got in front of the exact prospects we wanted to get in front of. Like it was the main driver for our business. Yeah. But I circled it. I'm like, I'm good at it. It pays us a lot of money, but I don't want to do it anymore because it drains yeah. my energy. And I said, well, what do I like doing? Well, I love doing videos. Uh, it's easy for me. Um, I didn't start loving it. I was really nervous, right? Like picking up that cell phone the first time to do a video or the first podcast. I felt yeah. like a, I felt like I should not have been on there. You listen yeah. to your voice and you say you don't like it. You look at you look at yourself and go, oh man, I'm a, like you, you got to get over yourself. Yeah. But what I started to do, Mike, and and we do this with our clients too, is we have features that automate content for you or make it easier for you to do content. So, uh, one of the best ways that you as an investor or any local business could do this is go online and go to Google and start to type up a phrase that your ideal prospect would search in Google. So if you're looking for uh, people who inherited houses in Roseburg, Oregon, you might 
that seller might go to Google and type up, you know, sell my house fast Roseburg, or they might type sell an inherited home in Roseburg right. or something like that. If I can rank at the top of Google for those niche phrases with good content and <clears throat> my face or showing I'm a real person, I'm probably gonna have a really good chance of winning. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we create, we created an automation uh, tool where every month our team writes about 24 articles every month. Um, they're based off of doing that exact research. What are sellers typing? What are buyers typing? Tenants, what are they typing right now? Yeah. We use the research. <clears throat> we put them into our system. Our system spins them slightly for that location. And then our users can go in there and rather than having to write an article from scratch and trying to think up all the ideas and make sure it's optimized well and make a good title and optimize it for SEO, they can go in there and not tweak it at all if they don't want. But we suggest going in there for five minutes, throw a different image in there, tweak it up. Bam, you've got an article in five minutes that's going to help you stand out and, and rank well in Google. The next thing, Mike, is this is about three years ago, I started doing all my content and video. I don't, I don't do written content anymore, but I've got great writers on my team and they love writing. They hit me in video. So <laughs> that they would say, Hey, I need, need a piece of content, Trevor. And so I would shoot a three to eight minute video to them. And we do it in front of my whiteboard and we started uploading those on YouTube and it'd be how to do this. And yeah. it's just questions from our clients. Right. Yeah. And I'd get it to my guy. He would transcribe it on rev.com. Just get all the words out of it. Yep. He'd plunk the video at the top of a blog post and put all the words below it with a good title. And it started ranking well in Google. And I started getting free traffic of people who are our ideal client. Yeah. We said, well, what if we do this for investors and agents students? So we, we have a feature called Video Post that does that. So you record your three to eight minute video. You know, hey, this is Mike. I'm out here at, you know, on, on Oak Street. I just walked through a house with Nancy and she inherited a home from her uncle and her and her two brothers in two different states. You know, they're trying to deal with how to, how to sell this home. So I'm going to walk you through if you inherited a home also in Roseburg, Oregon three different ways that you can sell your home and da, 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 da. Yeah. So, like that. you know, five to eight minute video. Nice. Um, reason five to eight minutes is important is because for ranking organically in Google anyway, Google needs words. They need robust content. Yeah. And so just putting a video on a blog post isn't going to do anything unless someone's already on your webpage. Yeah. Okay. So the average person speaks 100, 120 to 160 words a minute. And if you take a five minute video, that's about a, you know, five to 600, five to 800 word article. Right. If you take an eight minute video, that's about a thousand word article. And that's kind of that 500 to a thousand words is a good sweet spot yeah. for having robust content. Nice. So those are the two ways that our most successful clients do it is they, if they love writing, you can sit down and write, but most of our clients don't. <laughs> They'll use our automated content packs and monthly click a couple buttons, schedule those puppies up. Yep. And you can share them on your social media so you don't have to write content. Um, and then once a week, for those who are, who are really doubling down on it, and when they're out there on the job, uh, they're they're out there on the job in the scenario, they're pulling up their cell phone and, and recording a five-minute video uh, about their expertise in that topic. And then they get it up there. Now, you mentioned earlier on in, the, in, the, in our discussion that you have hundreds of clients in Dallas, right? Two questions. When you have hundreds of clients in a city like that, I know it's a big city, I get it, but and they're they're going once a month or whatever and scheduling this content that you've already created for them and they're all lazy entrepreneurs yep. who don't want to write a thing. How is yep. that not diluting the pool? How is that not lowering their authority because there's mm -hmm. so many articles in their market that are exactly that are close. You know, you spin them, I know, but yep. they're essentially the same. How how does that not sort of cannibalize each other? Dude, um, amazing question. So there's a couple of things here. The the ideal thing it, with any plan, right? There's like, here's the ideal. Here's the least you should do. Mm -hmm. And then if you're just not going to really do stuff, here's a better than better than doing nothing kind of thing, right? Yeah. 
Um, so scheduling up those, those, those automated articles, they are 99.5% the same if you're in the same market because you know, we're going to put in your, your city, which is going to be the same for that person, yep. but your company and phone number. So they're pretty much the same article. Sure. Um, if they're not wanting to do anything at all, if they're not wanting to go in and tweak it up, you know, tweak up 10% of the article or 20%, um, you are going to not, you're, you're probably not going to get a Google ranking out of that. Because it, it is going to be deemed probably duplicate content in the same city. Yeah. Now we have found, Mike, that that same article in a different city, Google has not, and we don't see any indicators that they will uh, be penalizing it for duplicate content in different okay. cities. Okay. So there's two things people can do. Uh, either like Tyler Ford, one of our clients down in Tucson, Arizona, uh, he gets about three to six deals a month, 100% through Carrot, all organic SEO for him. He doesn't do pay-per-click, uh, Google pay-per-click. Uh, and so three to six months just from organic SEO in Tucson. He's ranking number one and number two for your sell your house fast, we buy houses, all those phrases, right? And so for him, he schedules those puppies up and then he just spends, like I said, about five to 10 minutes in each article. Mm-hmm. And so he's about an hour a week that he invests into his online marketing now. Yeah. Um, before it was a little bit more of a heavy lift, just getting things going the first six months. Okay. Uh, but there is a value, even if you're wanting to schedule those, it's not SEO related. So let's say you're doing direct mail or cold calling or any offline marketing. Mm-hmm. Offline marketing drives online demand. So if you send that direct mail or you do the, or you do the cold call, uh, how many of us will Google a phone number? You know, where I'm like, I'm not sure who keeps calling me. I'm going to Google it to see who it is. Yeah. Or you get a direct mail piece and it doesn't have a URL on it. I'm going to Google the phone number on that or I'm going to Google the company name. Yeah. And so all of your offline marketing is creating online demand. So even if we're not trying to focus on Google rankings, we need to focus on making sure that we have an authority hub. Yeah. Uh, so all of our marketing converts better because the content on our website. Gotcha. So having that content on there could help you, you know, show up as an authority better. And then the, the, the third thing is this, Mike, is on social media. A lot of our clients, they're like, I'm going to schedule these puppies up. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, tweak them up. So I don't care about the SEO rankings on them. They just start sharing them up on social. So when someone's Googling your company name specifically, oftentimes your Facebook page is one of the things that comes up. Uh, If you can schedule those up, it'll show you're active on there. Um, Because the worst thing that can happen is if someone's trying to research you as a company and they land on your Facebook page and they see your last post was 12 months ago, yeah. they're going to be like, is this company still in business? Yeah. And so that's one way to do that. So but, when you schedule those up, they also will populate Facebook then, not just your your website. They're, they're going into social media as well. That's pretty cool. Yep, exactly. But our, our, our primary way that we suggest people doing it is for us, like schedule those puppies up. And if you want to get the, uh, get Google rankings, invest a little bit of time in modifying them. Okay. Yep. So, you know, that's, it's rather than spend an hour and a half on an article and hoping you got the research right, you spend five to 10 minutes on an article. Yeah. Um, but the ideal is this, is you whip it out and start to do the, the, the video posts. Yeah. Because that's where your true authority is going to come from. It's not from an article that we publish that doesn't have your voice and face to it. Yeah. Um, that's like, if you're not going to do anything else, at least do this, do the automated stuff. Yeah. But if you really want to stand out in your market, we need to, we need to, we need to make it to where your prospects can clearly see how you're different. They see you're a real person, not someone hiding behind a website. Yeah. You, you, you do content on your process, right? Like one of the biggest things we're finding success for right now, Mike, is when you look at an open door offer pattern, you look at agents or you look at the other investors in your market, oftentimes their, their service is kind of, it's kind of obfuscated. It's not very transparent, especially investors. Yeah. It's I'll make you an offer, but I'm not going to tell you at all how the process works or how I come to that offer. Yeah. And so a lot of the sellers like, well, I heard from my aunt Nancy that these people just rip you off. Right. Which yep. 
isn't the case 99% of the time. So start to do content on that where it's on your, on your, on your website and your how it works page where it says something to the effect of, of you know, you, you're, you're probably wondering how our process works and how we come to our offer prices. Well, here's a quick video and process walking you through what it's going to be like after you submit your information to us and how we come up with a fair offer. And take out, take out a, a darn offer sheet or take out a whiteboard and go, Hey, once it comes in, here's what we look like. Here's what we look at. Yep. And then we figure in repairs and here's how we do that. And then we do this and we do this and here's what our profit is left at the end. You know, we're a business servicing a need and we have to earn a profit. Yep. And what you're doing with this service is you, if you want full price and you're willing to wait listed on the market, if you want speed and convenience, that's what we can help you with. Yep. And so the more content like that you can do to demystify your process and make you really the trusted authority, the more you're going to convert your traffic into actually closed deals. I love that. I love that, dude. I, I honestly like... I. When I do interviews like this, I'm typically, I, I can see the clock, I'm watching. I told you when we started this, we're going to try to stay within the hour. But time just flew because I love this <laughs> this conversation. I mean, the, the, the cool. biggest thing that I think investors are dealing with right now, and I, I don't know that this will ever change that much, it ebbs and flows, but it's it's leads. I, I always yep. tell people like leads are the oxygen of your company. You can't yep. live without leads. And this is exactly what Carrot does. It's what you have spent, you know, a good chunk of the last several years perfecting and getting great at. So guys, if you're out there listening to this and uh, you know, you say maybe I don't have uh, the huge budget for PPC or whatever like and I need an organic by the way, organic growth to your website is the gift that keeps on giving, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's something that you need in your business and believe me you do, you need you need leads. You need orga- organic leads are really the kind of the the keys to the kingdom in my opinion. And and uh, and you haven't got that solution, or maybe you do, and you just you, you know you spent money on this website that looks great but isn't converting yep. like you want. I suggest you go check it out. If people want to check it out. How how do they do it? What's the process for a new person going to Carrot? How, what does that look like? Yeah, cool, man. Uh, carrot Carrot.com is the easiest way. You guys can check out what we do. And if I were to give like the high level, what the biggest thing moving forward is for people to lock in on is evergreen marketing versus hamstool marketing. Uh, hamster wheel marketing works great, right? That's your direct mail, cold calling. It's the things that you have to keep doing in order yeah. for them to work. But once you stop doing them, the hamster wheel slowly turns to a stop yep. and you've got to get back on it. And now they work, but you're going to grind yourself into a pulp doing those forever. Yep. And so instead you stack bricks. And for us, stacking bricks is content pieces. It's a location page. It's a video post that you did. It's a, it's the stuff, like you said, that is going to be up there forever. And we have people that... um you know, I mean, a lot of people where they wrote a piece of content or did a piece of content three years ago. And that same piece of content still gets traffic and leads today yeah. from work they did three years ago. That's how you get consistency. Yep. So yeah, carrot.com. Uh, Mike, we have a podcast also where I, where I walk through a lot of this and we interview a lot of our, our customers who are doing it so people can learn how they're doing it. And the other part of the podcast is called Trevor Truck Talks. I'm literally on my phone on my drive home talking about not lead generation, but business and life, like my own journey as an entrepreneur. So just find that. It's called the Carrot Cast. The Carrot Cast. I love it, man. I love it. Well, listen, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy, serial entrepreneur. You probably are thinking of, you know, opportunities and and businesses as we speak. But I love the whole energy audit. I love the idea of it because you're right. People get into this. They want freedom. They want, you know, 
sometimes they think they want money, but that money kind of represents freedom and what, what it would, mm. you know, deep down. And they find themselves in this grind where they're just doing stuff yeah. they hate because they feel like they have to do it to hit a number. So thank you for all of that. Uh, check out Carrot Cast. I'm going to check that out as well. Go to carrot.com. Grab that high converting website with the content that's right there. It's super easy and start ranking. Cause like you said, it's the hamster wheel versus the evergreen and evergreen yep. is, I mean, hamster wheel is fine and it's a good thing that you should probably be doing it, but the evergreen is something that should always be being paid attention to as well. So love, love it. it, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate talking to you until I talk to you again. Good luck in everything you do and stay safe, stay healthy. Dude, Mike, I appreciate it. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. This season. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks buddy. All right, guys, how about that? I really enjoyed interviewing Trevor. He's a smart guy. And, you know, it really was surprising when I got him on. And before we hopped on the interview, you know, I said, what, you know, what, what do you want to promote? Like, what is it you want to get out of this podcast? Ideally, how, how would you consider the success? And uh, his response was, listen, I'm not here to promote Carrot. I, I, I would really like to talk about how to build a business that has impact and, and creates freedom for the entrepreneur and you know how to kind of focus on what's important in life. And that was a surprise. I had never met Trevor before, but I was surprised. I thought he was going to be like, all right, I want to get people. I want to talk about Carrot. I want to drive traffic. Like That's what I want to do. I want to build my platform. And his, his focus really was just like, get on here and try to talk about how to do things that make you happy and do things that give you energy and I'm, I'm glad because that's a, a great, a great thing to focus on as an entrepreneur. So I, I just had a great time talking to Trevor, smart guy. He's quietly and, and humbly created this multi-million dollar uh, service uh, online, this service called, called Carrot that you can go to and create websites that drive traffic and help you grow your business. And like he could have bragged about that basically for the last hour, but he chose to talk about things that are just more important in life. And I, I applaud him for that. So a lot, a great interview, smart guy. You guys should pay attention. Go check out Carrot if you haven't yet. Uh, very, very great platform. And, and I'm excited about his success there. So hopefully you guys got something out of that. There's a way to drive leads. There's a way to create that evergreen content and get off the hamster wheel of marketing that a lot of us do but you have to go and do it, right? Even if you're on that hamster wheel and you wanna build that evergreen, that that content machine that just drives traffic effortlessly to your business every single month, you gotta take action, all right? You gotta do it. So get out there and take action and build that business, build the business you want that gives you the freedom that makes the impact that you wanna make. Guys, get out there and go for it. Make today the best day. We'll see you next time. Okay, you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words now, just start to the number five, five, four, four, 
four. So text just start to five five four four four. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back, and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out, let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.